Hello and welcome to Sonic Talk number 395. Uh, this recording this week, uh, streaming live, uh, what is it, Wednesday the 4th of March. That's right, it is. And we're heading towards Music Mesa rapidly. It seems to be suddenly hurrying up. That was the new theme tune that was composed by Peter Rundgren, who was the winner of the uh, extended and massively oversubscribed uh, com- theme tune competition. Congratulations are still in order, Peter. So uh, there you go. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you very much to everybody in our chat room. Of course, uh, our sponsors this week as well, Isotope. Uh, we will be bringing you news of the competition last week where you could enter, where you presumably you did enter to attempt to win uh, Isotope iris the synthesizer this week uh, because they've got a special on we're uh, we're going to break tweaker so you could win a copy of break tweaker this week but that's going to be coming up later so anyway thank you very much for everybody joining us and hello to the chat room once again um we're going to start we haven't seen mr richard hilton from sunny connecticut uh, where he's been uh, well snowed in and all sorts of things but you've been doing some amazing stuff richard and of course is uh Chic keyboard player and also Noel Rogers studio guy. You've been posting Facebook pictures of you hobnobbing with Elton John, Rich, we've noticed. So you've been doing a lot of celeb uh, celeb mingling, right? Tell us about it. Oh. Elton's after party for the Oscars awards ceremony in uh, Hollywood was quite the star-studded affair. Uh, most notably him, of course, for me, because I grew up... Uh, worshipping his songs and uh it's just an extraordinary pin ever present pinch me moment when i'm around the guy and plus he's really really nice to us and nice to me and that's wonderful as well but the room was filled with celebrities now unfortunately i don't know most of these people and i don't recognize them when i'm seeing them and it's funny because i have to read about it afterwards (laughs) to find out who was there but uh apparently it was very well attended well it's his uh, his part is legendary isn't it it's the classic it's the his his post uh uh oscars party is uh is 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 a thing of legend right i well i guess so Certainly not in my house, but yeah, I guess in the world. I, I it's a, it's, a, it's an annual event, I believe. It's, I mean, it's the thing that everybody tries to get to. Um, cultural bubble that I live in. I, these things don't tend to break into my head. But yeah, I guess it, it, it meant a lot. And, and uh, he played with us. Excellent. So you, you, played you played at the actual party. Yes, we were the, uh, shall we say, entertainment the portion entertainment. of their party. And... Um, and Elton introduced us with some rather incredible praise. And uh, then at the end, where we finale with good times, he came up and jammed. Nice. Yeah, it was fun. So do you meet anybody else there that you recognize? Were there the, the, the usual suspects? Is it is it everybody try and get to that party and then fly off to the next one? I met a ton of people, none of whom I knew. I didn't know who they were, and and it's funny. And and apparently there were even more people who I whose names I recognize, who I probably wouldn't have recognized either. This happens to me a lot, where I walk up to some guy, they introduce me by name, I have no idea who the guy is. I shake his hand, and later on, somebody goes, "Do you know who that was?" And I'm like, <laughs> "No, who was that?" And this happened to me with Jack Black right. backstage. It's happened to me with Chris Tucker once. Um, it's happened to be with a number of people where it just, you know, I'm just, unless you're standing in front of a microphone and I'm recording you and we're having some kind of artistic relationship, this stuff doesn't really sink in that much with me. Good fun to go to those sort of things. Now, that sounds like a great, a great fun evening anyway. Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Excellent. It was really, it was exciting and thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> so uh, well thank you for joining us uh, rich and uh so gaz what have you been up to <laughs> gaz williams of course professional bass player producer and technologist i've noticed you've changed your facebook uh um tagline to include that which i think is is wise because uh, you've been uh, featuring we're uh, on day three of our teenage engineering op uh um pocket operators um not op po pocket operator uh, series uh, i think today was the sub if you haven't checked it out already go check it out how are you guys yeah good thanks it's going down really well isn't it i mean i'm really enjoying them seeing them uh, you know seeing their comments and the responses to them uh you know the haters the lovers <laughs> yeah they really are quite divisive products which makes it all the more fun and um and of course i'm just to justify i've got my uh socks that i'm uh, i bought five pairs of socks and i only realized just before 
that I thought, oh, hang on, there's a sock per episode. So I'm tweeting, <laughs> I'm promoting the series with a fresh pair of socks every day. And in fact, which... the blue of your sock matches the blue of the sub as well. Have you, are you, are the, do the colours match? Awesome. And the yesterday's one was a green pair of socks. <laughs> and um, so we'll have to see what happens tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, so the, the chat room is already divided. Hipster, rubbish, all that kind of nonsense. And uh, it's interesting. <laughs> you, well, you'll have to wait and see because Gaz does a conclusion, uh, which will be on Friday, I guess. So uh, yeah. we'll be able to see what he makes of those. And we hook them all up together and uh, made something of it. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more. That's a tease. Anyway, yes. well, yeah. welcome, Gaz, and thank you very much for joining us, and uh, and to you, Rich, as well. So, uh, kind of fun and games. There's all sorts of stuff going on this week. In fact, the first thing that happened, I was at, were at home on Saturday, and I got a, a, an email. Let's not protect. Well, I'll play this first. Actually, let's uh, let's see what you make of it. Good lord, there's some kind of strange electronic hacking going on at Behringer HQ in uh, Manchester. What is this? It's a research lab. The Midas synthesizer. Goodness, I wonder who filmed this. Authorised personnel only. Hmm. Oh, Jesus, that was loud. <laughs> so well, this actually looks good. The Pro X8. I mean, there's some specs on the on the uh, console. It's like a thousand inputs, 127 buses, all sorts of kind of crazy stuff going on there. That looks pretty interesting. I think there's a shot of the whiteboard. Oh, look, they're wearing paper suits. Oh no, I thought they were wearing paper suits for a minute. Ooh, confidential. In case you were just wondering, and perhaps you just joined us, this is a leak. Five hundred twelve buses, two two four matrix. Oh, that's amazing. 112 volts returns, 100 effects. And this thing here, that's the board, apparently, of the said synthesizer, which looks quite a large board, so I'm guessing it's not a tiny thing. I mean, large, when you put a case around. Hey, you, get out of there! Good Lord, what do you make of that then? That's like clandestine kind of uh, activities. Anyway, it's a bit of fun. I know um, this is obviously news ongoing. The Behringer uh, are, are ongoing um, producing their synthesizer. What was interesting is I got an email on Saturday saying, oh, do you want to post this? And I said, yeah, sure. Um, but, you know, I, I might just have to put something in there about maybe not believing it's entirely <laughs> true, <laughs> entirely confidential. And, uh, and there it is. But... Um, Obviously, there is still... I think this is clearly just wants to show intent, wouldn't you say, Gaz? That's what it seems to me. Yeah, and if that keyboard that we spy in that video is anything like the finished thing, then it's the, it doesn't resemble an ARP Odyssey one bit, does it, in terms of the, the body shape? Uh, no, I think the, the keyboard next to it was a uh, controller, and the board, which was the circuit board, is probably the synthesizer. Right, okay. Uh, which was square, which I suppose might. <laughs> yeah, I mean, are they sticking? I mean, do, do we know if they are sticking to that ARP Odyssey clone? Is that, no oh, idea. No, no idea. idea. So all of this is just pure speculation and the tease, you know, the obviously fake tease is just to, just to kind of keep people... Just uh, to keep things cooking. Mm. So this is pure spectrum... Spe- <laughs> <laughs> oh, conjecture and speculation not something yeah. that we like to participate in i think you'll agree rich but you know <laughs> nonetheless obviously there's work on you know there's definitely stuff ongoing i know it's it's an interesting notion you think uh, a new manu- a new manufacturer of synthesizers with this sort of capability with these this large amount of r&d and this amount of manufacturing grunt behind it is got to be an interesting thing i think would you say hope so yeah hope, hope so, so. <laughs> that's all we can say at this stage but um and I, and again we don't even know if that was the synth that was that was making a noise in the background i mean one might assume that it was because it was sort of obfuscated with you know just modulation and what have you so maybe it is so we'll have to see um and that's really... i'm going to be in manchester if they're listening ah well there we go i don't know if they are our listeners but so uh, yeah maybe yeah, I, I, who knows there's an offer you couldn't can't refuse um so on on the whiteboard though there there is some um, components listed isn't there I mean are there the more engineery types uh, maybe in the chat room I've seen it uh, can they throw any light on that or is it just I did I did try and zoom in on that and have a look but I couldn't find anything that was all that meaningful on it but um, it would be interesting to know. Uh, mm. what that was there I, don't, I i'm pretty sure they're not going to be releasing that sort of level of it but the the other thing i mean the thing that was interesting there is it it, it 
you know, it was all about the synth, really. But that Midas X8 looks kind of pretty interesting. I'm guessing, you know, that looked pretty fully formed. That's probably something we might be seeing at uh, Music Mesa. Obviously, that's the higher end of their stuff. The whole sort of Midas brand is is more uh, is is further up the price pricing point. Even though that's still good value, as far as I can tell, and the Midas brand, um, it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be in the same ballpark as the X32, I'd imagine. But who knows? Ooh. What could you do with a thousand inputs, Gaz? <laughs> Never use the same one th- twice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. How many inputs am I gonna be using tomorrow? I've got. I'm doing my electronic orchestra project tomorrow. So I mean, it's all MIDI inputs, but um, I think we're gonna be on about sixteen MIDI devices. Um, in, so that'll be that'll be an interesting little project. But sorry, just a little. Yeah. No. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. Hmm. Definitely. Um, and right, okay, well, that that's kind of that, that's just that little bit of fun. We can leave that for now. And uh, uh, this was another thing that was interesting. This is the news that um, oh, I think I've got. Let me. Uh, this is the news that Steinberg have released. No, that's not the one I want to press. I want to press that one. Uh, VST Connect Pro 3. I couldn't find any videos on this, so I thought I'd pr- play this one instead. And we can probably just fast forward it. So it's, a, it's only it's from about. Um, six months ago i think uh, but it, it kind of demonstrates the notion of it which we've, we've kind of seen this idea before whereby you you have uh, a kind of chat window with somebody remotely perhaps in a nice room if you've just got a little kind of midi setup and they can record and then the the low res comes up straight away and the high res you can request once it's done and they've got i think they had something else in here where they had a drum session on top of it as well where the guy was doing a uh, playing in his studio and recording that into Cubase as well. And this, I mean, I know, you know, we've kind of touched on, this has kind of come up once in a while, you know, we've had various different products like this that have shown up. And as we know that uh, Avid announced some kind of collaborative aspect to Pro Tools, which I'm not sure is along quite the same real-time sort of vibe, but but, um, I'm I um I'll quite happily be uh, told otherwise, but this this looks at this is the sort of holy grail, I guess, of what what people are trying to achieve. I know, Gaz, you're a Cubase user. I think we should probably try and do something with this because it, it's the sort of thing that would would really interest our users. And also, you know, say for instance, you know, you're working on something, and I've got I don't know, say the the Roland JDXI here, for instance, in which you had to have that bass drum sound or my fantastic drum, finger drum jam or whatever it may be. <laughs> and we should try and see whether we could do something like this. But Yeah. D- well, I did try I did try a, a hookup, actually, with, over Cubase with, uh, with, with, with non-Eric uh, Hans a um, couple, uh, couple of months back, which was, which was interesting. But since Cubase 8 came out, the, 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 the part of this, which is built into Cubase... Um, which is just more or less dealing with, uh, you know, a client rather than a collaborative process. That's just more the client, you know, like um, ah, a remote so bringing a remote recording. Which is that? Is that what this is really? Isn't it? Uh, I think so, but I think there's. Um, uh, yeah, I wasn't quite sure what the difference is. Um, but what I was going to say is that. In our experiments, which was using Cubase 7.5, it was quite a clunky process. Now, in, in Cubase 8, they have refined that process quite a bit. So, I mean, for these things to work, it you know, as Rich will absolutely agree, getting workflow, getting that to be a very fluid and painless process is absolutely essential. If there's any quirk to it, then it's just not going to work. So, I mean... So it's interesting that Steinberg are really, you know, this is the third iteration now, isn't it? In not a long time, really. You know, it's sort of, they are bringing out, I think. Yeah, because the last it, one was, it, what, six months, 12 months ago? So. Something, yeah, maybe about 12 months ago, yeah. So, um, and and we have mentioned this before as well, that when Ableton Live version 8 was coming out so we're on obviously version 9 one of the headline things of version 8 was that it was going to have remote collaboration integrated into it and then all the leading adverts for that it was all there and then when the the product finally shown didn't show up didn't show up so the reason i mentioned then that is because I, i i think that this is 
as we mentioned, it's like a holy grail, but it's also probably incredibly complicated. The amount of... Um, well, just the amount uh, of additional CPU that must be going on. I mean, when you consider how much Skype takes, and we're talking about higher higher resolution audio and plus the video conferencing that's happening from yeah. within the DAW, I guess. But but really, they should be using things like iPads and, and Galaxy phones or whatever, you know, to handle all of that, you know, so the DAW, you know, they... It should be separate, I think, from the uh, the actual system itself. So your your point of communication that is, um, and then you know that could be positioned. Uh, you know, you don't right. have to be sort of. Well, th- th- there are some other interesting things in here which I noticed in in the actual uh, press release. Uh, one thing that's kind of useful is. Um, you can actually differentiate between land support and remote support, which is uh, uh, remote uh, connections, which could be useful, say, if you're in a large building or a large facility where it's easier to, or you just need to communicate maybe with the live room that's not an easy, you know, uh, job and say saves a bit of uh, uh, set up there. I don't know. Uh, Rich, because I mean, I know in, ma- in major recording studios, then the idea of a remote camera and a, a, a local camera for the engineer to talk back and appear on a screen and just uh, and and sort of gesture and talk with the artist that's recording that's 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 not new, is it? That's been around for quite some time. So this maybe this could have some functionality that would enhance that experience as well. Maybe so. And <laughs> bring it on. You know, for years we've been hoping and waiting and hoping and waiting and. Uh, some people have sold some rather costly third-party alternatives to this. And uh, now that Avid is pushing collaborative workflows more as part of their pitch, it seems that other people are feeling responsible to making sure you know that their software will support some kind of collaborative environment. Now, combine that with this ongoing sort of holy grail of something resembling real-time recording from remote locations across IP addresses. And uh, that's where we stand. Yeah. <laughs> that's, they, that's what they say they've got now. You know, I don't mean to sound skeptical about Steinberg saying that they've got anything, but show me. Yeah, I think I think that's something I'd, really, I'd like to try that out. I mean, it looks like this is actually uh, an, an add-on purchase. I mean, according to this, VXC Connect Pro 3 is available as a download. Uh, with a suggested retail price of 199 euros, so it kind of looks like it's a separate mod- module, effectively a separate so, piece of functionality. VST Connect SE is the one that's built into Cubase uh, Pro, uh, and I've just been trying it now because uh, I haven't actually looked at that yet because I'm fairly new to Cubase 8. But it is actually pretty slick. So basically, what you do is to initiate us in the past. There was a lot of setting up. This is, I think, what was the a big turnoff. But this is actually quite. This has improved things uh, quite somewhat. Uh, let me just demonstrate it now. Um, if I can show my screen, uh, let me just um, set this back up again. Okay. Um, if I can flip the camera around, so we're looking at my screen. Um, let's have a look. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how focused that is. I'll try and hold it fairly steady. Yeah. But just in terms of the, you go to the project on the menu here, you come down, there's a VST connect. That's a new menu menu entry there. Select and go create VST connect. Okay. So a little window is opened. I'm not sure you can read the text on there. No, but. Um, no, but... Oh, and I've got the spinning ball. Oh, no, but there we are. Connect. It said, so I just cl- clicked start. It's, it's given me a warning about going on the internet. If I click OK. If I move over to my second screen. <laughs> Actually, no, I'll bring it across. So a window has popped open now. All right. And then, so, so everything, uh, and now you get a network login. So you write the network login, and then you'd send that to the person via email or text message. They write that network login into their into their client, which they can download for free. Once they've written that, once they've once they've made that connection, then bang, and then and you're in and the big screen the black screen there would be the um the, the video the, window the, right the video yeah so the thing that's quite fun about this is the fact that you can essentially have real people as plugins <laughs> you know it's sort of like ah oh, i think i'll insert uh let's insert the rich hilton plugin in. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Bing>! <laughs> and here he is so that was actually i have to say that that before you had to create 
all the tracks manually. Oh, he's ready to that? go. Polysix, Polysix, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you have to do a lot of manual kind of sort of setting stuff up, but that's kind of made that side of it pretty slick. So it's just short of actually sending the um, the network key to the remote right. client, which I don't know how else you would do that, really. But um, I think uh, I can see that being much more functional. So if anyone wants to um, volunteer to be a remote client, send me an email. Interesting. I guess the interesting thing with this is also is, you know, it's because the client has to run, it doesn't run within a DAW, it's the contributor, you're running the master DAW and the client yeah. is just a separate thing and that that's going to yeah. require things like, you know, select which camera you want to use, select your audio mm -hmm. interface, that yeah. kind of stuff is going to need to be set up. But that, I mean, that's understandable. Yeah. But as the mm -hmm. receiver that's pretty much all you need to deal with. And then presumably there are kind of things where it's like, how do you want to receive the final audio? What bandwidth is it going to be coming up in? All of those kind of things, right? Yeah. And well, you, you can actually create a separate mix that you send to the, um, oh, like a headphone to the client. Mix, right. Yeah. And that then, sounds interesting. Yeah. And then on this end, you know, I've, so I've got like a, a, a performer's input track now, which, uh, so, you know, the input, as you would set the input coming the from the input is from them. So it, it's, it's instead from them. of so instead of selecting, you know, audio interface yeah, audio input one, one you just go Rich Hilton Poly Six <laughs> iPad. <laughs> Neat. Oh uh, yeah. I, oh, I really yeah. I want to do this now. <laughs> well, there he goes. <laughs> well, that I think that's something we should probably try and set up because I'd be interested to see what the experience is like for the collaborative part of it. You know, whether you know how it deals with latency and those kind of things because those are quite, yeah, those are quite right. Im uh, important factors. I think really. I, I talked, I talked to um, Ed Wynn or otherwise known as Ed Osric, <laughs> uh, the lead guitarist from Osric Tentacles, um, who's now based in Colorado, um, and asked him if he would be into doing that, and he was really keen to do that. So maybe we could uh, drag Ed in, you know, um, great guitarist. Sort of, uh, that is an interesting notion, and we could probably set that up, you know, within this kind of Sonic Talk production framework because we've got the the inputs and things. So yeah, we should definitely do that. But those of you Ooh. interested, I mean, I think you uh, do. You need to have Cubase eight or Nuendo uh, latest of revisions to to get this out. I think you possibly do. Um, so. Right. Okay. So yeah, as as it is, the one that's built into Cubase eight is the SE version, whereas the one that they're pushing now is like the fully buy, featured right. one. So okay. I'm not sure what the difference is between the SE and the and the full featured one. Um, I'd have to look into that more, but. Um, Okay. Well, it says yeah. here that we've got up to 992 uh, multi-channel support for remoting, remote recording of up to 16 channels, 192K 32-bit audio support up to, uh, yeah. VST support recording instruments via... Oh, you can record VST instruments via peer-to-peer -peer connection. So you could get their app at uh, their... Um, MIDI. MIDI, Daya. That's interesting. So they would presumably have a local version of that happening then for zero latency, and then you'd get the data that would be happening at some point later on. I think it's something we should definitely look into. I like the idea of that. It's, uh, mm. And it's interesting. And I think, as, as you said, Rich, you know, it's, it's the sort of thing that it's like, yeah, show me, let's have it. You know, at what point, w you know, would you risk it, I suppose? You know, it would have to be on something that wasn't perhaps uh, working towards a massively... Uh, looming deadline <laughs> for well, it's not when there's stevie wonder at the other end of the connection waiting for me to get the shit together that's for sure <laughs> no that's true yeah I, I don't think you'd want anything like that going on so perhaps you know us as guinea pigs where there's very little risk of right. uh, of either anything good happening or anything bad happening so you know you could just kind of have a sort of neutral a neutral test run that sounds like it could be a good thing okay um Right. Uh, oh, this was another one. This was the... Uh, yes, th this video's been doing the rounds lows. This is, uh, that's not actually it, is it? That's Ira. Let's do this one instead, then. This mm. is the uh, the Ira... Um, obviously, the MX-1. We've had the mixer. We had the exclusive here at NAM, a bit prior to NAM. This is the performance mixer, which, again, is an... In I'm still waiting to hear whether or not we're going to be getting any... Um, class-compliant USB support for plugging in iPads, because it seems like this is there's another story later. That this is uh, a chap called DJ Kink, who is supposed to be uh, really quite a shit hot, if you'll excuse the expletive. And what he's doing here is just running stems, sustained pads, effectively, into uh, the MX-1. 
So all the rhythmic and all the cutting and all the other stuff is happening via what's going on on the MX-1. So anything you hear is just sort of essentially mixed up and sliced up pads, which is quite an interesting notion. And the whole thing kind of gets going on a little bit more. I, I don't know if he's running the uh, TR-8 there. I can't... T- is that a TR-8? I think it's a TR-8, isn't it? Yeah, so maybe he's got... Yeah, he's got a bass drum going on there. And there's obviously a bit of automation and what have you. But it's an interesting notion, this. And this is something that um, kind of got me thinking, because some people mix in that way I, I remember there was a story um when when i was kind of doing a lot of remixes there was uh william orbit was supposed to be you know he was one of the that the, the most happening mix guys and out of uh, gorilla studios what he would do is just print lots and lots of things to multi-tracks and then just have them all on faders so you'd arrange effectively purely on the mixing desk and then record a pass based on whatever happened while he was playing the mixer. And it sounds like this could be a really cool way of doing things as well. I don't know, Rich, whether this is... Have you ever worked in that way where you just kind of effectively perform the mix rather than craft it slowly over time with automation and edits and that side of things? Not entirely soup to nuts from the ground up, but there's been plenty of that sort of behavior overlaid on top of what was prepared up to the mix day on the mix day. So yes, it's, there is some degree of that that I've performed, but not in the way that they do with this hardware. In other words, it had to be achieved in other mechanical ways to get sure. to the same musical result. But it's really cool what they've done. And boy, how, how many decades now has Roland plumbed that 16-step sequence grid paradigm going back to the very first drum machines they ever made and now what they've done is they've applied that same timing regimen to each channel of a mixer in such a way that the channels can operate in an audio way sort of like a drum machine in terms of the way they respond to timing information coming in and can be synced up to other existing music elements well, yeah, that's way cool thinking because somebody got the bright idea to apply that same grid that we had on the TR-808 drum machine back in 1980-whatever and uh, in, and make it useful in an audio and rhythmically interesting way. Yeah, and I think that's it, really it, cool. It is. It is actually, you know, I mean, it seems, you know, the, the, I see the chat room aren't especially um, uh, enamored by this, but it is actually, it's quite a kind of unusual. I mean, the, nobody really has done this yet. And this is kind of thing that I'm, I'm very keen to actually sort of try this out myself and hopefully we'll get a hold of one for review at some point. Um, once we've uh, cleared the decks of the, uh, well, we've got the Dominion one, I've got the, the JDXI. That's the analog voice and, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, Everett stuff. I know. What do you think, Gaz? Mm. I, 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 this is very much, it very much kind of connects with a lot of the things that I've been doing at the moment, you know, in terms of live mixing. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in this thing, actually. I think it's a bit of a shame there's not more stereo inputs uh you know, I, I would have liked to have seen each of the input channels having a stereo input rather than there's only one stereo input of the analog input uh, channel. Well, no, I think it depends because if you're running it in DAW mode, there are three modes you mm-hmm. can run it in. Yeah. There are, they are stereo because I think it takes the, a pair of outputs and I'm pretty sure that if you're running the IRAs into it via the USB inputs, those four they channels, would they would be yeah. stereo too. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know for sure that there's only one. Uh, I think there's no, one. it's just it's just a shame though. Following the, that idea that if you've got, for instance, a bunch of synths or you know or effects returns or whatever that are coming in, that there's just not more stereo for a- analog returns. There's only one stereo analog in, uh, you know. So you'd have to. You know, because I think part of the design of that, if you're having to plug a stereo, you know, like a stereo keyboard in and you're having to put it into two of the channels. Right. It's going to, you know, all the step sequencing, all that kind of stuff is going to be compromised, you know. So, so I, I it's a small thing, but. Uh, I, I, I think, though, uh, and I, I think there's a workaround because you can run it into. So if you've got an audio interface hooked up to Ableton. 
Oh, I see. And out, you can bring stereo inputs there and then output In, the, and then the, the channels them. out, I think. I mean, we'd have yeah, to, I'd, have to double that check that. I'd have to double-check that. But, but, but I mean, the, what I'm doing at the moment from, from, for my own particular workflow is a, is a non-computer-based sort of right. setup. So, right. So, that would, so I think it's really that, you know, because there are various things that I've got up in here. I mean, I have got, a, you know, a, some analog devices, but I've also got a bunch of stereo devices as well. So when I was looking at that, for me, that's the deal breaker. Right. Okay. Uh, and it seems a shame when, you know, they could have, they could have made them, you know, stereo channels with, you know, that could be mono as well. Right. So, okay. Yeah. Maybe I, a small I, thing. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, as I said, I'm still waiting for the notion of being able to plug iPads into those USB slots and run. Yeah. Stuff. It, it, all, it also does seem a little bit of a shame as well that there's no um, XLR microphone input onto either. So, if you want to have microphones going into there, you're going to have to have a little, either another little mixer running into it, or a uh, or a preamp, you know. So it just adds. Yep. I mean, maybe their their thinking is well, get a VT one, you know, the 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 vocal one of the Ira range. Um, yeah, I suppose, but, but then that's yeah. yeah I, I mean, I'm sure they just want you to buy exclusively <laughs> but this, Roland products, but, but but this is a classic Roland thing where they sometimes just make it they limit what its potential by focusing it a little bit too tightly at a certain area uh we saw this with the rc505 looper which was targeted at uh, as a tabletop looper and it was targeted at um beatbox artists whereas a tabletop looper for a whole range of maybe like keyboard players or, or whatever, it would would be a really attractive product, but but because they 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 focused it specifically down that that target, you know, which I can understand, it's still a bit of a shame because you know you want more flexibility, and even if you were one of those particular artists uh, that it was aimed for, the extra flexibility would have been really yeah. useful. So. Yeah. It's a rolling thing. <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Uh, well, I think at this point it's probably time to uh, take a word from our sponsors. Of course, Isotope have been sponsoring the show for many, many months, years almost. Uh, and this is, uh, they're doing a special at the moment because there is actually a deal on. Uh, Break Tweaker at the moment. Uh, Break Tweaker, of course, is designed and developed by BT. It came out at the beginning of last year. And you can have multiple, you can manipulate audio at a molecular level. In many ways, very similar to the MX1 because you've got pattern based uh, stuff, but to a much more micro level. Uh, you can free yourself from traditional drum grids and create complex polyrhythmic beats with a unique ISO rhythm and playback speed settings. You've got lots and lots of content that comes with it uh, from uh, drum samples, wavetables designed by top musicians, DJs, including BT, uh, and you can get hold of your copy there if you go to isotope.com forward slash break tweaker, and in fact you can win a copy uh, this week uh, because um, we are running the competition as we do uh, for a limited time offer, if you wanted to buy one, uh, break tweaker twice price is 100 bucks off until the 12th of March, so you've got just over a week or around, yeah, just over uh, almost a week, just over a week um, for 149 bucks. We can buy the expanded price where it comes with a bunch of different uh, sample packs as well for 200 bucks, or you can attempt to win it. We've got the uh, this our Twitter competition, basically. To enter the competition, if you're watching the video version, uh, you can see this. is a ha You tweet the hashtag breaker, break tweaker win, all one word, break tweaker win, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. And we will follow the uh, the tweets as they come in and pick a random winner from those. Uh, obviously, you've got 140 characters. And as we say, we do like to see uh, any other comments you can fit into that uh, spare space. I know Isotope monitor it, and it's uh, they always like to see what people are saying as well. So remember, uh, uh, for those of you listening to the audio, what you need to do is tw is tweet the hashtag break tweaker win, all one word, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, and add some extra stuff in there as well. And you too could be the uh, proud recipient of Break Tweaker, which uh, the Isotope Fairy will bestow on next week's winner. We've also got uh, a winner from last time's show, uh, where we were giving away Iris 2. And that goes to a chap called Nico, who has the 
uh, Twitter handle at Piano Pusher, which I like that. It's got a sort of certain uh, mashup between uh, Square Pusher and Piano something or other. Anyway, at Piano Pusher, he tweeted uh, that successfully uh, the uh, at, to, at Isotope at uh, Sonic State, the uh, hashtag Iris2 expertly crafted. And he also added, help me push the piano. I'm not quite sure what that means, but maybe this will help. The Isotope Ferry will bestow a uh, copy of Iris2 to your email account inbox. So uh, stay tuned for that. Get in touch with us and uh, give us the email address and we will be able to pass that on to the Isotope Ferry. Okay, I want to say thank you very much to them, obviously, for sponsoring the show as well. And hopefully next week we might be uh, introducing yet another sponsor, um, finally, after all these years. (laughs) So, uh, But more news on that as it breaks. Anyway, um, what's our next topic right let's have a look oh this is this is interesting this is the midi over usb now i think i've got a couple of videos for this this is the first no that's the craftwork one isn't it that's the one i didn't play this is a uh, music io this is from the guys uh part the guys who also uh, produce um the uh what's the name i can't even remember what the midi designer pro and a few other guys and this is the notion that you can basically very easily just send MIDI over the USB connection directly into your DAW as a, a MIDI device. And it makes it very, very simple. One cable solution. And uh, you can buy it now, actually. I think it's $2.99 on the App Store. And it seems pretty simple. I mean, you know, this is a very simplistic demo, but it seems very straightforward and simple. In fact, I, I think, Rich, you were... Um, you, 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 you took one in the name of research, I believe. Uh, so what did you have in mind there? Uh, it is very simple and very straightforward. So we have this Poly 6 running on my iPad mini. Unfortunately, we're going to have to deal with the microphone. And so I decided to just hook it up and see what happened. And uh, in, I was playing Ableton. So first I got this keyboard input going. So that's going into the computer, then into Poly 6, right? Right. Yeah. We're playing Poly 6 out of my uh, iPad via Ableton from this MIDI keyboard. And then I wrote, you know, some silly little sequence type stuff. Um, and it came out, yeah, just a stupid little eight channels of MIDI. And that's playing on the Polysex, right? And the sequence. Yes. Right. The MIDI data is playing out of Ableton on eight MIDI channels uh, coming down this one wire into the iPad running Poly 6. Neat. And that's just MIDI at the moment, right? So there's no audio. Yeah. Go- right. So, okay, you need, to, you need to run it. That, yeah. And any attempts I had in my brief moments of trying to synchronize that with anything playing out of, uh, rhythmically out of Ableton were hugely unsuccessful. <laughs> is, that to so do with the, is, that, is that to do with the clock, do you think? Or is that the, maybe the... I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I got the... Um, I've got the buffer size down to 64 samples. Uh, I, I don't, and I've got everything set for low latency. So I never really got that far into it. But I it just worked, though. So that's kind of... That's well, kind it of works good. within the, you know, the iPad anyway. In other words, it's receiving. It's good enough for me that when I play the keyboard, it's responsive enough that if I wanted to use this thing as a sound module on stage, I could do it. Oh, well, that's interesting. That is interesting. I mean, I, we've seen this with, uh, obviously, uh, the MIDI Connect. Uh, I connect. I connect. I connect MIDI uh, two and four, uh, which also aggregate the audio. But this is, I mean, because a lot of people, I'm not very comfortable using MIDI over Wi-Fi for for this kind of performance based stuff. And what do you think, what guess? Mm. So having it on a wire, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think so. And you know, if you're going to be using it as a module, then you know, the wireless thing is largely unnecessary if it right next to your controller keyboard anyway um who it's good and they do say that audio is coming as well for that very same app uh yeah very soon as well so um so and then there's the other one isn't it there's the uh, yes i've got this here in fact i could i should be able to play this is audio uh, the (laughs) chair um Chai Town is audio mugs and MIDI mugs, guys! Shout, shout, shout. Well, funny you should say that because I think I have something yeah. here. This was uh, via uh, their um, channel. This is the, the people who brought us um, Touchable. And this is running MIDI and audio again uh, down the wire. 
this is not. I think a uh, midi mucks you can already get in the app store, but it's yeah. uh, it's like uh, uh, it's quite expensive actually. Is it ten bucks or yeah? No, it's well, not. I say quite expensive. It's more expensive, but expensive being a relative term there. So this is allowing us to send audio and MIDI. Uh, I think mm -hmm. audio mucks. Uh, I think MIDI mucks is available in the App Store. Audio mucks is currently being evaluated, and this again, you know, this will all happen down the wire, and that is something that's very interesting. We've touched upon this before because we've seen with the overbridge, te overbridge technology from Electron. Good to see mm -hmm. you sporting an Electron T-shirt there, by the way, Rich. That um, that this is something really interesting. Uh, and a development of using using USB perhaps in ways it was, you know, it's not really been used for before with such an easy setup. So effectively removing the kind of difficulty of aggregating audio devices and getting into all that and just going to go, I just want this as an input. I guess there must be issues with having to sync things and what have you. But this is, I mean, that would completely replace some of the functionality of the iConnect stuff, right? Well, yeah. I mean, other than the fact that the iConnect thing... Well, it's got MIDI ports, it's got Ethernet. MIDI ports I mean, can it, work as a standalone really, yeah. unit, blah, blah, blah. So, uh, yeah, so I can... But but this is entirely desirable, and it's something we did actually speculate about, and uh, with the announcement of iOS 8, it hinted at the possibilities of this kind of thing becoming possible, so it's fantastic to see it being exploited. And I believe it was something to do with... Um, there's this app, called duet which means you can run your uh, you can run your ipad as a as as a very fast wired monitor screen into oh yes computer. that's an ios 8 thing isn't it yes and then and it was due to uh developers seeing that thinking hang on if that is if that's able to do that then there's a way to uh well, the thing that you'd think that that was it, but actually, if you look at the, because I've got the, the certainly the MIDI Mux uh, app here, and also the uh, MIDI I, uh, the MIDI I, uh, the other one, which is sorry, which is the uh, uh, the guy, uh, the music first I, uh, music I, I'm terribly sorry there. That this re that requires iOS six, but this only requires five point one one or later, and I don't know if the audio portion of that will uh, perhaps. Uh, only require the same sort of level of iOS. So that's something that really interests me because then, you know, we can we can utilize it on lower uh lower in the food chain iPad devices, which is something that interests me because I'm still I'm still rocking a an, a version <laughs> one iPad here, which probably isn't <laughs> going to be able to do all that much. But that's definitely starting yeah. to say I mean and again, Rich, it's the notion of having it on a wire that is the thing that's interesting, you know, because like we say, it's so as soon as you take wires out, the, the, it, okay, it's convenient, but it doesn't make you feel very confident that it's always going to work, right? Well, I haven't tried it, so no, I suppose I can't say. I can't say, but this seems to be working well. I had I had a nice little you know half hour this morning playing around with this and finding it easy to use, and uh, I thought, you know what, if I ever really had to do this, I could do this. Ah, okay. Um, in the chat room, uh, Sonic nine six zero nine says audio mux will require iOS seven plus, so it's still not cutting edge. So you know, seven plus is doable because we know that some of the iOS uh, iterations have kind of added quite a lot of extra gr um, sort of work for the CPU to do, right? Um, oh yeah. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say though, it does also beg. You know, it brings this issue in as well that we've seen iPad equivalent of um, desktop apps selling for significantly less than the plugin, uh, the, the desktop equivalent. Um, and maybe part of the reason for that has been that the, as a platform, it's been seen less as a professional device, more maybe as a consumer device. But, but, but this functionality does actually, you know, or theoretically brings it into, you know, potential professional usage so how i wonder how that is going to apply like for instance the arturia uh, isam or the arturia imini or um some of the sugar bites apps for instance uh which are ostensibly the same as the desktop versions right uh, then it seems something's going to happen here if do, do well, you mean there'll be more parity across application pricings well, I suppose well, will, I, it, will it? Will it? Would, I don't know? know. I don't know. That's mm. that, that's an interesting point. I mean, I suppose there are still limitations with iOS ones because you can't integrate them, or you haven't been able to integrate them directly into sort of multi-IO audio systems, or something that's had DSP acceleration, or perhaps a computer that's just got loads of DSP that you could run tons of them because you could still only run one instance. Whereas you're buying the app or the plugin, you can run multiple instruments on the same 
on the yeah, same device. Whereas on an iOS, you're going to struggle to do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is a very good point. Uh, however, I mean, but the other, you know, the positive side of it is, and especially for uh, iOS app developers, um, there has been, as you know, um, viewers of Sonic Touch will certainly be aware, there's been many, many amazing apps that don't have a desktop equivalent. Um, you know, Sampler, for instance, yep. which I think is one of the greatest pieces of software ever full stop <laughs> um, don't hold back gas uh, no it is <laughs> it is uh, you know certain pieces of software then being able to you know up its up the game a little bit and you know i think this is i think it's a great i think it's a great development so uh and i'm fairly sure people will look back and think like nick we said on the show you've said in fact when we were talking about the iConnect in the review you know you're going come on apple <laughs> here's a lead plugged in make it work so yeah well i i would you know i mean as we know apple are kind of upping their game a little bit on the pro audio side and they're going to obviously try and use it to leverage people to buy logic i can't see they're going to be all that far behind with this sort of thing if they're seeing developers do it and and people go wow this is awesome that that they you know might not include it but then it's going to require much higher versions of the ios no doubt that side of things which it might put some people off i know it does me because i don't want to upgrade at the moment to the latest ios or the latest osx to be honest just because i'm so, curmudgeon someone someone's mentioning animuga as a, as a great example of another um you know I, ios app which sounds ace and would be a fantastic plugin and it just actually I, I have got a little question a little query and i'd like to put it to the chat room and uh, just to see what what i've got a um, a gift coming and um the, i've got a choice of well, I've whittled the choice down to two things, and one of which you'll see the link now. <laughs> a, a strike, a strike fet, or a theremini. So, of course, the theremini has got the Animoog sound engine. What do you reckon for my studio? Um, me personally, I yeah. would probably go strike fet just because you've got so much polyphony, and. Mm-hmm it's playable more in a, in a more sort of conventional fashion, shall we say. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, the thing that was quite tempting with the theremin though, was the fact that it's a good way to learn theremin by, by because you've got the tuner on there and you can have a certain amount of the pitch correction and you can choose, you can have loads of pitch correction whilst you're finding your place and then reduce the pitch correction as you, as you get a bit more muscle memory. And, uh, you know, it just, it struck me as, but what uh, but yeah sorry i'm totally no, no, I, I, that's totally i think that's fair enough i don't know I, uh, rich have you tried a strike fit i know we talked about it last week as well the sort of uh it's the waldorf string machine module that's kind of essentially it's like a vst but in a piece of hardware that's a no i have not it's no, it's, it's not. interesting it's definitely got a kind of a, a vibe about it that's that's good fun um, the chat room is overwhelmingly strike fit by well, the way it seems to be yeah <laughs> well fair enough i okay. think that's there's no there's no reason why you uh why you couldn't uh you couldn't take that advice but you know you're your well, own man and you'll have to decide will, for all yourself all will be revealed all will be revealed shortly so we'll, we'll see <laughs> um okay there was one other there was one other thing here that I, I i briefly played i should think if i play it now this is yeah that's right this is the um somebody got some clandestine footage and i think this actually is clandestine of uh Craftwork playing a 3D show in Amsterdam earlier in the year where you can actually see what they're using and it looks like there's a bit of iPad action going on there. It looks like an iRig MIDI plugged in there. I'm not sure if I can tell. Oh look, there's a... a, 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 a what's that called? I know what that is. That's a, a Shuttle Pro. We used to use those for video editing. And it looks like some Blackmagic monitors. Interesting that they've got their own sort of visual light show there. <laughs> Let's keep them interested. I'm not sure how there's, there's quite a lot of this, but this is cause a real hoo-ha because, as we know, or at least as I understand, that looks like a machine. Is that a machine micro with two, or is it a machine? It's a just the Mark One. Mark One. Machine. Yeah. Machine, yeah. And then there's yeah, uh, that. That looks like uh, another iPad running something like. Uh, um, is it Cuneo there as well? Ah, is there a Cuneo on, on, on the on the one on the on uh, the right? If you go across. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a machine. Uh, hey, there's a that's a there, there is that's a uh, oh, that's a novation, isn't it? 
a remote uh, SL notification. Yeah. And that looks like a large touchscreen. Well, that, that's more like a 16.9 showing. What's that? Is that logic? Or oh, I can't tell from here. What does that look like, Gaz? Software-wise, that's pretty hard for you to see actually because you're getting mm. it as a tiny little. Uh, I don't know. We can't tell from there. Uh, what else? Let's let's just scroll forward. But there you go. There is some information. But there, there's been loads and loads of gags, hasn't there? Where they've because uh, we're we're due a load of um, uh, general election um, kind of leader debates where four guys or girls or people stand behind lecterns and then discuss. And that's the sort of uh, yeah. That there's always those pictures in there of, uh, of the the leaders' debates and then the captioned worst craft work gig ever, which I always quite like as a bit of uh, a bit of humour. I know I've, it's interesting though because they've made they've long been known for making their own stuff, haven't they, Rich? I mean, is this uh, uh, have they have they done this in the states? I think most of this stuff has been happening in Europe, hasn't it? The craft work stuff. I don't know if I've seen it in in the US yet. Maybe I'm wrong there. I saw them. Ah, well, there we go. I am wrong at Moogfest. Uh, I yes, of course I did. The fourteen, we played it, and they played it on not on the same night, but on the same stage. And uh, yeah, I won. It was great. I loved it. Excellent. <laughs> did you get a chance to see what they were using, or was it all very kind of hidden behind the lights? Because I mean, I don't know whether. No, I didn't get. I had no idea from the audience. You have no idea what they're using, and uh, it's just a really stunning thing to experience. It, it was really good. I enjoyed it visually and musically. It was really well coordinated and really well done. It's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if there's any because I mean, some some artists are very secretive about the stuff that they use or the way that they use them. I mean, I know we've kind of had little things here where we think, well, actually, it's it, is it a competitive advantage? Certainly, in our case, you know, is that, could the same thing be said for kind of a live rig that kind of does things in a specific way? I mean, you can't keep it hidden forever, can you, guys? Really. No, and, and one of the things that's quite interesting about this particular thing is that um, a lot of people are quite disappointed by how cheap a lot of the objects that they're using actually are. Like, I think there is the, one of the keyboards, I think, is a, an M Audio Oxygen, one, you know, little 25 key thing, you know, and, uh, and it's like, oh. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, is is this... A disappointment seeing behind, you know, seeing behind. Is it the better start. not to know? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, um, but I guess the the fact is, what we are seeing is controllers. So the facade, uh, you know, we still don't really know what's going on, you know, and controllers are just essentially dumb objects that are um, interfacing into something else and what's going on there. Um, I think it's up, the, yeah. the guy on the far. Um, oh gosh. Who's your last original member now? Um, oh, no, now you got me. Chat, ah, chat room, I guess. It's not Florian Schneider, is it? Um, uh, but I think he's playing... Isn't he playing a Nico, a Neko on Open Labs? That, that big thing that he's playing. Ah, okay. Maybe that's running um, all of the DAW stuff. Yeah. Uh, but also, the thing that is is pretty cool is that you can see that all four of them are... Doing stuff. Doing stuff. And I really wouldn't... Um, uh, oh, yeah, Ralph Hutter, of course. Sorry. Um, it is good to see that they're all doing stuff and to see that everybody's being uh, active in it. Because I think, for, you know, for a while, everybody's thinking that they were just... Just Text standing up. on stage. Just, Tweet just it, tweeting out, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know so I, I i thought that was i thought it was it was cool um but as i i saw written somewhere though that music isn't a isn't a secret is it you know you know you like to see what people are doing you know when you see a guitar player you can see them playing or whatever so you know it is quite nice to to see them doing uh to actually see them engaging and, and being yeah. active albeit in a relatively motionless way. <laughs> yes, I suppose so. I mean, I think, uh, as uh, uh, somebody in the chat room said, it's like the Wizard of Oz. I suppose there is. But another thing that was mentioned was the uh, the fact that they are totally geared up for an IRA colour scheme with their kind of uh, uh, their luminous lime green uh, tape around their bodies. That's definitely... Uh, there's got to be an endorsement there, possibly, if, it, if, if any of that stuff works for them. That would make sense, <laughs> for sure. Um Okay, right. Let's have a look. I, don't, I think we might have uh, might really have come to the end of the show because I've uh, I've I I haven't. Oh no, actually, there's this 
Parva six voice poly, isn't there? Eight voice poly. Let's have a look at this. Have you seen this? This is the uh, the Parva eight voice, which is, I think, about to be in in uh, in terms of in production. This is a demo of the sound. It sounds quite. Uh, there's a sort of uh, Blofeld quality to it, or perhaps. Uh, um, oh, what was the Blof? Was it the Blofeld two I reviewed? Oh, God, I can't remember now. The Pulse two. Pulse two. This is that sort of quality. So I don't know if there's some wavetable stuff in there. It's got that nice kind of. But this, obviously, this is only playing really kind of mono lines here. But uh, we have a look. At the, it looks like we've got we've got DCOs. Uh, we've got. Uh, Pulse Shaper, Triangle Shaper, and what have we got there? Microcontroller, which is obviously running the DAC, mini notes, blah, 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 blah. I think this is supposed to be somewhere under the region. Uh, it's supposed to be under a 1000 bucks, isn't it? And that's kind of, could be kind of interesting. And keyboardless, I think we might be seeing a lot more things um, coming keyboardless, because obviously, you know, everybody's got keyboards, or most people have a keyboard. What a what a beautiful interface, though. I think it's one of the most attractive-looking interfaces. I think that's a fantastic... Uh, oh, it's, it's almost using... A, there's an element like the Waldorf thing. It almost looks like, the, like a Matrix thing, but having little OLED displays alongside each of the rows there... I that's think tight. I'm never going to see that. I'm going to have to be squinting. But, yeah, <laughs> it does look nice, but there's no chance I'd actually be able to see that. Um, my eyesight is becoming an issue for these instruments these days, but it does look nice, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm particularly taken with that. I think it looks like you'd get around it with, uh, you know, it, it, you'd get around it nice and quick, I think, in terms of the, there's a nice logic. and it, It's very readable, isn't it? You know, and I, I just, ah. But, I mean, there has been a bit of concern that it doesn't sound as good as it maybe a, appears to be. So, um, oh, really? I, haven't, I haven't read that. Well, when it first when it first appeared, and there was some um, there was some demos of the, of its polyphonic nature, and people were less than flattering about uh, how it sounded. But uh, I was kind of it's got a lot of spec there. I mean, what have we got? We got uh, it's got three DCOs, uh, sawtooth triangle and pulse width uh, waveforms. So limited in the uh, waveforms there. Hard syncable five. Two filters, state variables, uh, self-oscillating filter FM, four envelopes, uh, routable to 40 destinations, four LFOs, sine, sawtooth, triangle, and square. No, oh yeah, random as well. Free running or key synced, uh, routable to 40 destinations. Um, single uh, output there. So there's you know some kind of stuff going on there. Um, and there does seem to be appetite for polyphonic synthesizers again. I, uh, 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 but... You get the feeling that that you know every, it's like that excitement about the analogs, rich, isn't it? The analog poly, the Dave Smith. Everybody was going, yeah, I'd really like to get one of those. Do you think that? Uh, but I suppose for everybody else, we have to consider what we could afford, and something like this is certainly looks like it's quite affordable for a thousand bucks. And I guess if it's not got a keyboard, that thousand bucks is being spent on you know the sound generating stuff. So it, it becomes, I suppose, less cheap. But uh, for an eight voice, that's kind of cool. I'd like to try one. Absolutely. Love, would love to. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised also to see these kinds of things appear with software editors and plug-in form, mm. where uh, you basically have a screen. Yeah, that also helps. And maybe, even, and maybe even patch points would be cool. Yeah, that does sound nice. And also... The you're entering digital control of analog components, assuming there are any analog components, but even if there aren't, uh, once you're into the digital control area, it seems pretty easy to do... Uh, patchable things in software definitely i mean that's one of the things with this guy the dominion one i mean it's it's got analog analog electronics but all of the it's all a digital control of analog electronics and so that's why we've got you know 64 memories patch memories and what have you but also the thing is is then you can kind of iterate the functions in it so it doesn't do this but we could make it do that because it's just a question of how we push that digital control data around and how we manipulate it and the maths we put on it as well so it's kind of interesting uh synth beast is asking in the chat room how's the build quality on that and it, it's actually really good it's solid they're all they're all panel mounted knobs there's no wobble i mean 
the choice of livery is quite interesting because it's got that kind of old school kind of uh, sec nineteen late seventies <laughs> sec mixer kind of vibe, yeah, uh, uh, and and the buttons as well are sort of uh, a, a kind of old uh, old school kind of uh, I don't know what that what those types of buttons are. So, but the build quality seems fine. It's solid. It's much more uh, robust than some of the other MFB things, which are sort of smaller by their very design, smaller in plastic boxes that are very specialist for sort of. Um, German techno, if for, for want of being slightly too uh, generalisation there, but I know a lot of uh, like Flood, Daniel Miller, and um, Gareth. Uh, oh gosh, Gareth Jones. He's he's a big fan. They're all big fans of MFB stuff, and and I have to say this that synth is pretty damn awesome. And I asked uh, I asked uh, Rich in the pre-show what he thought it would cost, and because I still can't believe that this thing is going to be. 1350 euros so it's under a thousand pounds including vat which just seems mental for what it does but you'll have to stay tuned for the review because i've got to get it finished that's one that's why it's still set up there because i haven't managed to do that yet so sub 37 or the dominion (laughs) i'm I'm feeling the Dominion more at the moment, but it, it, just purely because of the complexity of the modulation. And I've, I've, I've talked about this before. I, I have played this uh, probably pre-show. I might, uh, but the, the, the patch that I did in uh, this and ran it into the H9, just, you know, the harmonics it generates are astonishing. I think um, even if you take the filters, because it's got, it's got 12 mode filters, so it's got uh, four... All the poles low pass, all the poles band pass, two notches and two uh, high pass filter modes as well. And one thing that's very interesting, it's got the ability to dial in the amount of resonance. So you can take it from to a fully resonant filter and bring the filter, the resonance right back so it doesn't self-oscillate. So you've got all these variations. I mean, astonishing number of variations. I mean, it isn't a Moog filter. It doesn't sound like a Moog filter, but it still sounds pretty nice. But all the cross-modulation stuff you can do with the the VCOs is mind-boggling. I mean, it really is mind-boggling. So, you know, I, I, I think as I was saying earlier also... It, you create a patch, you go, wow, this is really complicated. And then you think, what else can I do? And with many synths, it's like, that's it. There are no more modulation buses left. There's there's usually at least one on this that you can then go, oh, and I can do this, you know, with <laughs> either that maybe the, the the ribbon controller or, you know, the aftertouch or whatever. Uh, and there's under my hand there, which if I, I might be able to move it on a bit, uh, you might be able to see. There's an, uh, oh no, it's not quite, quite see it there there's an ad yeah there's an ad envelope as well so you've got two adsrs and an ad envelope which is useful and you can mod that knob up there you can modulate the resonance separately either via one of the three one of the two lfos the third lfo is just for performance really and it's more free running or via the ad envelope so you can get some really kind of different kind of stuff going on Anyway, I've rambled on about that enough. It's probably time to, uh, to, to to wrap this up. I want to say thank you very much to everybody. Thank you very much to our sponsors, of course, Isotope. Don't forget, if you want to uh, join the competition, uh, you can basically tweet out hashtag BreakTweakerWin at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, and you will be excuse me, you will be uh, entered for the competition as we draw it from Twitter. And, uh, um, so do that uh, and if you're not and you're interested in buying it, there's a deal until the 12th of March where there's like 100 bucks off um, both versions. Anyway, that's it for this week. Thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Thank you very much to all of you guys in the chat room. I think we've had always oh, another fulsome chat room, as I want to say. Um, so, yeah, lots of people in there, which is great. It's always good to have that extra audience. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you always help us out. Um, thank you very much. So it remains to say goodbye to our guests. I'm going to say thanks very much to Rich Hilton, who's there in the, the U.S., are you going to be coming over to Europe again soon? Uh, yes. Later this month, we're coming to the UK. Ah, excellent. And playing a series of concerts between the 20th and the 25th, I believe. Wow, Two is that just a one jump, or are you going anywhere else in Europe, just going to go UK and back, or uh, going anywhere uh, In this case, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's UK and back. But we'll be back the following month, uh, some other markets but uh initially we're breaking the new chic single on the 20th that's right London. you got a new album out as well haven't you isn't that right or is a new album coming album or to fo- album to follow single now so that's uh, presumably that's uh, all done isn't it you've kind of you've si- is it all signed off on and you finished your work or are you still tinkering 
What can you say? There might be, there might be a little tinkering going on here and there. Why ever not? <laughs> Excellent. Oh, that's going to be fantastic. Is that all new material as well? Yes. Wow. Now, that is interesting. Yeah. Can't wait for that. And yeah. some of it is uh, based in basic tracks from the classic group with the original cats. Oh, excellent. Ooh. So previously unreleased. Yes. Ah, awesome. Or or uh, or released in different form. Right, okay, got but you. But not in the form in which it's being divulged now. <laughs> okay. I, I could tell I'm, uh, Rich is being ultra diplomatic there. Can't give too much away, but thank you very much, Rich, for that information. Sure, thank and, you. I had fun. And also, I want to say thanks to Gaz Williams there. Uh, don't forget to yep. check out his pocket operators. We've got two more uh, to come. Oh, you have sent them back, have you? Uh, well, I'm going to finish my sock. Um... Ah, your sock week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but can I just uh, get get people to pop over to my website and check out the first of the videos from the show that we did just before Christmas that we broadcasted live on Sonic Talk with uh, the Rumbelows. Uh, some footage up now um, on my website. Well, it's on YouTube, but you can get it if you... Gaswilliams.me. Yeah. There we go. And yes. have a little look, because uh, that's, that's cool. It's just simple, little funky little thing. But um, Excellent. Of course they you. can. Go there and do it now. Anyway, thank you very Yay. much, Gaz. Um, we will no doubt see you very soon. And that's pretty much it for this week. So do um, enjoy your um, the rest of your week. And that's it. Thank you very much. Goodbye for now.